The focus of the sixth parak are the thirteen boxes which were in the base hamikdash for one to be able to designate money for different parts of the base hamikdash. But before we reach that, the Mishnah discusses two other groups of thirteen. The first one being the thirteen places in which one would bow down when visiting the base hamikdash, and the second thing are the thirteen shulchanos, the thirteen table-like structures, which will be discussed in a few Mishnahs' time. The previous Mishnah told us that members of Ram Gamliel and Rechaninus Ganakanim's household, they would bow down in a 14th location as well, because they had a tradition that they heard that that was where the Oron was hidden underground by Yoshio Amelech before the Beis Hamikdash, the first Beis Hamikdash was destroyed. So the Mishnah now relates a story in connection to that. There was a story that once happened with a particular Kohen who was busy doing a particular work in the Beis Hamikdash. The Gemara adds that this particular Kohen had a mum, he had a wound which meant that he wasn't able to do the real service in the Beis HaMikdash, but he was able to do a particular job, which even Kohanim who have mumin are allowed to do, and that is to separate and check the wood which will be used for the for the Mizbeach, to make sure that there is no wormy wood amongst the piles of wood which are used for the Mizbeach fire. He saw part of the floor that it was slightly different to the rest of the floor. There was a particular floorboard which was slightly raised, and he understood that this was the place where the Oron was hidden. They must have opened up the floorboard once and put it back, but it was still slightly raised above the rest of the floorboards, or the rest of the stones. The base of floor was stone. And so Boba Malachavero, he came and told his friend that he knows where the Oron is hidden. But he didn't manage to finish the matter, he didn't manage to show him exactly where the Oron was until his soul left him and he died. Clearly Hashem didn't want the location of the Oron to be revealed yet. And also the fact that this person who found out where the Oron was hidden was willing to just tell anybody that was the wrong thing to do as well because there was a danger that perhaps the non-Jews would find out where the Oron was hidden. He definitely shouldn't have just told everyone about it. So before he managed to do so, he died. The Yodubiyichud, and they knew clearly, Shashom Haran Ignaz, that that was where the Oran was hidden, somewhere in this chamber in the Beit where they would check the wood for the Mizbeach. Where would they bow down? Where were these 13 locations where they would bow down? Arabat Safain, four times on the north side of the, of the Beit Samikdosh, as they passed there. The Arabat Dorim, four on the south side of the Beit Samikdosh. Sholish Mizrach, three on the east side of Shtamamarov, and two on the west side. Corresponding to and opposite the 13 gates of the Beis HaMikdosh. As they passed the gates, they would bow down. Now where exactly were the gates? What were they called? Where were they located? Says the Mishnah. The gates which were on the south side of the Beis HaMikdosh, nearest to the west direction of the Beis HaMikdosh. Firstly, there was Shah HaElyon, the upper gate. The reason why it was called the upper gate is because the Beis HaMikdosh was on a mountain, Harbais. And so part of it was higher than the rest, and this gate, Sha'ar HaElyon, was the gate which was on the highest point of all the gates. So because of that, it was known as Sha'ar HaElyon. Secondly, Sha'ar HaDelek, further along the south side of the Beis HaMikdosh, still nearer to the west direction, but this time going towards the east, was Sha'ar HaDelek, the gate of lighting the fire. They would bring the wood for the Mizbeach through this gate. Thirdly, towards the east again, on the southern side of the Beis HaMikdash, Shah HaBachiris, the gate of the firstborns, the firstborn animals which were brought on the Mizbeach as Korbanos, they were brought through this gate. And fourthly, Shah HaMayim, the gate of the water, the lower the Gershomer Shah HaMayim. Why was the name of this gate called Shah HaMayim, the gate of the water? 
Because through this gate, they would bring in the jug of water, which was used for Nisuchamayim on Sukkot. That refers to a process where they would pour water on the Mizbeach. It was a very joyous occasion, every Sukkot in the Beit HaMikdash. And they would bring water from the Mayon HaShiloyach, a particular spring of water very near to the Beit HaMikdash. And they would bring that through this gate of Shah HaMayim. Rabbi Yezbun Yaakov says, why was it called Shah Hamayim? Because through that gate, in the future, water is going to bubble and flow and exit and come from under the threshold of the Beis HaMikdash. This refers to a particular prophecy in Yechezkel about water coming forth from the Beis HaMikdash in the future when Moshiach comes. The Mishnah continues with the list of the gates. Opposite these gates, on the north side of the Beis Hamikdash, but again towards the west. Number one, Shayachonya, the gate of Yachonya, who was a king. We'll see in a moment why this gate was named after him. Shayachar Korban, the gate of the Korban of the offering. They would bring certain Korbanos, Kodshe Kodshim, which are Korbanos which have the higher level of sanctity. Certain Korbanos, like a Korban Chatos, for example. They would bring those animals through this gate, Shayachar Noshim. The gate of the women, when one brings a korban, so the kohanim are the ones who process the korban. But ideally, the person bringing it needs to be there as he is doing, as the kohen is processing it. And not only that, before the animal is slaughtered, the person bringing the korban does the process of smicha, of leaning on the animal. There's a discussion whether women would also lean on the animal. But be as it may, the women would stand here when their korban was being processed. And according to those opinions where that, that women do lean on the korban, they'd also lean on the korban over here. Okay, and fourthly, Shah Hashir, the gate of song, meaning this was the gate through which they would bring the instruments for the Levim. When the Levim sang, so instruments were also played, they would bring them through this gate. Now the Mishnah goes back to Shah Yachonya. Why was that gate called Shah Yachonya? Because that is the gate through which Yachonya Hamelech left into his exile when the first Mishnah was destroyed, so he left for the last time in the Beis Hamikdash through this gate. Mizrach on the east side of the Beis Hamikdash, Shar Nikonar. There was the gate of Nikonar, and this is the gate, the Golden Gates, which Nikonar famously brought from Egypt through on, on a ship, and they miraculously arrived in Eretz Israel. So this gate was on the east side of the Beis Hamikdash, which named Pishpshin Hayulai, and there were two smaller doors or gates. One on the right side of Shah Nikonar and one on the left side. If they needed to enter or exit the Beis Hamikdash without having to open the massive golden doors of Shah Nikonar, so they could enter using those smaller doors, those smaller gates, and the last two gates, they were situated in the west side of the Beis Hamikdash, but they didn't actually have a particular name since they weren't used very often. The focus of the Mishnah goes on to the 13 Shulchanos, the table-like structures which were in the Beis HaMikdash, Shminash was shayish in the Beis HaMikdachayim. There were eight Shulchanos made out of marble in the Beis HaMikdachayim, which is the area of the Beis HaMikdash, to the north side of the Mizbeach. This is where the Korbanos are slaughtered, and also where the inner parts of the animal are washed, as the Mishnah says, Shalim Dichin Es Hakravayim, because on these tables they would wash the inner parts of the animal, the intestines, and there were eight out of the thirteen situated over there. Alright, now what about the other five tables? There were two shulchanos on the west side of the ramp leading up to the Mizbeach. One was made of marble, one was made of silver. On the marble shulchan, they would place the limbs of a carbon oiler before offering it up on the Mizbeach. They'd have to offer it up in parts, so they would place the different pieces of meat on the shulchan. 
before bringing it, and it was made out of marble because the meat was put on it. And if you put meat on silver things, if it's left there for a while, then the meat can turn bad. So it was made out of marble, which is cold, though, which would prevent the meat from becoming spoiled. And on the silver shulchan, which was by the ramp of the Mizbeach, they would place all of the utensils which were used for the service of the Mizbeach that day. Every day, at least 93 Kleishores were used. So they would take them out in the morning and place them on this silver shulchan. Continues the Mishnah, Shnaim ba'ulam mebifnim al-Pesach abayis. There were two shulchanos inside the ulam, which was by the entrance to the actual Beis HaMikdash, the actual building on the inside of the courtyard. So before the actual building of the Beis HaMikdash, there was a wide room and it was known as the ulam, which was sort of like a hallway, or a big hall, which was just in front of the actual Beis HaMikdash's building. And then you'd go through doors from there into the actual Beis HaMikdash. So there were two shulchanos inside the ulam, one was made out of marble, one was made out of gold. On the marble shulchan, which was in the ulam, they would place the lechem upon him, which was the bread which was baked once a week, every Friday and lasted an entire week. So every Friday they would enter with these loaves of bread and place them on this shulchan, which was in the ulam. And then the next day on Shabbos itself, they would enter once again and take those loaves of bread into the actual Beis HaMikdash and put it on the main shulchan, as we're about to see. And on the golden shulchan, when they exit the Beis HaMikdash, meaning every Shabbos when they put the loaves of bread on the main shulchan, they also take off the bread which has been there for, since the previous week and take it out of the Beis HaMikdash and give it out to the Karnim. So until they actually give it out to the Karnim, it is placed on this golden shulchan in the Ulam. Now why was one of them made out of marble, one was made out of gold? Says the Mishnah, There's a rule when it comes to holy activities and holy items, we always go up in holiness and don't go down. So on the way in, at the beginning, we put the loaves of bread on marble tables. And then after a week, when they've been on the main shulchan for a week, and we bring them out, we put them on an even nicer shulchan, made out of gold, and finally ends off the Mishnah of Echad Shul Zahav. There was one more golden shulchan, inside the actual Beis HaMikdash, that the Lechem HaPonim, these loaves of bread, were kept on this shulchan constantly, and this, of course, was the main shulchan of the Beis HaMikdash. Mishnah Hey, finally the Mishnah now reaches the Shlosh Asr HaMikdash, the 13 boxes which were in the Beis HaMikdash, either in the courtyard, some learn that they were actually further out, on Harabayas, where everybody could enter, be as it may, there were 13 boxes which were situated next to each other, where somebody who wanted to designate something to the Beis HaMikdash could put it in one of these boxes. And written on those boxes were different labels, and those labels were as follows. Number one, Tiklin Chadatin, new Shkolim, which were given that year. The mission will discuss this later on, but Tiklin Atikin, old Shkolim of previous years, Tinin Vigozli Oila, Corbonus of birds, and Corbonus Oila of doves, Eitzim wood, this is where somebody could give money for the wood of the Mizbeach, or Vayna, the offering of frankincense, which can be bought on the Mizbeach, Zohav Lakapoyres, other Mishnahis reads Zohav Lakapoyres, which we're going to translate to mean gold for the utensils which were used in the Beis HaMikdash. If somebody wanted to designate gold or money to be used for that, they would place it in this box. And Shishel and Adovah, there were six more boxes which were for the sake of voluntary carbonized oila. And the next mission will discuss those six in a bit more detail. And the mission goes back to the first two boxes. Tiklin Chadtin, the new shkolim, what does that refer to? Shabuchol Shalom That refers to the shkolim which are given each year, that they would put their shkolim in that box. 
Vatikan and the box which said Old Shkalem, that was for somebody Michele Shokal Eshtkad, somebody who did not fulfill his obligation of donating a half shekel the previous year. Shekel Chanahaba'a, he would give that donation the next year, but he would have to put it in a different box so that they would know that it was part of the previous year's Shkalem and not mix it with that year's Shkalem. Now, when it comes to the box which says Kinin, the bird offerings, Hintoyrim, that refers to bird offerings from older doves, whereas the Gozli Oila, the box which says Gozli Oila, Hintoyrim, that refers to younger doves. But as I made, the Mishnah ends off with a Machlikas, whether the money which was put into these boxes were only used for voluntary bird offerings, as is the first opinion, the Chulon Oilois, they were all brought as burnt offerings in the Mizbeach, which were voluntary. That is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. But somebody who was obligated to bring bird offerings as a carbon chatos for a particular sin, or if they became Tommy or gave birth, certain people who are obligated to bring these birds, they cannot buy it from the birds which come from the money in this box. The reason being that the halach is when it comes to a common chatos, that if the owner of that animal, or the person who gave money for that animal is no longer alive, then the common chatos cannot be bought on the Mizbeach. So we're concerned that the person who gives the money here, by the time somebody comes to offer up that bird, which he uses from the money which was given to this box, the person who gave the money might be dead. And therefore only voluntary um, bird offerings can be bought from the, this money, because there is no such halacha that the person who donated the money for that offering needs to still be alive. On the other hand, the box which said kinin on it, that refers to those karbanos where one will be obligated to bring, and somebody who is obligated to bring the birds, one of those karbanos he needs to bring as a carbon chatos, and one of them he brings as a carbon oila. So echad chatos, echad oila, one of the animals would be a carbon chatos, one would be an oila, but the point is you can still bring that from the box of money designated by different people. Reason being that we are not concerned that the person who gave the money has died by the time the person bringing the carbon brings the carbon. There is a rule known as Chazaka, that the status of something is assumed to be the same as it was until you know for sure that it has changed. So here you don't need to assume that the person died, you can assume that he is still alive, the Gaisle Oila, however the box which says Gaisle Oila on it, that was Kulan Oilais, that was only used as voluntary Karbanis Oila, and so according to the Chachom, there was a much bigger difference between the box for the Kinin and the box of the Gaisle Oila. It wasn't just that the Kinin were older doves, but the kinin also could be bought as a common chatos for those who are obligated to bring these bird offerings.